As you prepare for retirement, you'll be faced with many important choices. We want you to make the right ones. Welcome to Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Charles is an accredited investment fiduciary. He's well-equipped to help you make sound financial decisions. We want you to experience a meaningful retirement. On our podcast, we believe financial choices matter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into this edition of Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Thanks for tuning into our podcast about investing, finance, and retirement with the lovely Mr. Charles. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I am fine. And don't ask anybody for... I'm not sending out photos because it isn't that lovely. Trust me. <laughs> well, I hope you're doing well. I hope things have been good since our last chat. They have. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've always got lots to talk about, Mark. So we do actually. So we hadn't had a chance to get into this yet. So let's do it now. Um, the Secure Act passed at the very end of 19, 2019. And in there were, like any bill, there's some good, there's some bad, maybe, depending on, I guess, who you're talking to. Uh, but let's talk about one component that's going to affect a lot of our listener base and, and folks in that retirement, pre retirement stage. And that's the stretch IRA component. Uh, being ixnaid. So I'm going to let you kind of fill us in on what the stretch is and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, stretch IRA, rest in peace. Because yeah. uh, it's one of the, I guess, most negative impacts of this new SECURE Act. The SECURE Act stands for setting up. Oh, setting up. Uh, for, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You know, setting every so community. It, that's what it was. Setting every community up for yep. retirement enhancement. Yeah. And Brian has to thank you. I had it and then it escaped me. No worries. Um, there were 29 main changes in this law. So it was pretty inclusive and it just sort of snuck its way in there. Although everybody had seen it, just nobody had acted on it. They dumped it into the budget bill and nobody took the time to say it's a bad thing because everybody sort of knew this was coming. It's just nobody was expecting it to happen so fast. There's two or three good things, but we're going to we're going to focus. I got to tell you that first before I give you the bad news. So it's good news, then bad news. Okay. The good news is it's good for small business that hasn't started retirement plans for the. They give them a lot more flexibility if they haven't done it for their employees. It's it can be less expensive. They can group their plans together and have one big administrator that's managing multiple employer plans. That's not a bad thing at all. My contention though is if you wanted to have a retirement plan for your employees, you probably already would have. But that's neither here nor there. That's okay. a good thing. Right. Uh, lifetime annuities are going to become part of the option available to people in a, in a retirement plan as they take their dollars out. And the insurance companies are really excited about that. Mm -hmm. The other thing was they rechanged the required minimum distribution age from 70 and a half, which is a goofy number to begin with, uh, to 72. So you don't have to, you don't, you're not required to take money out of your IRA or your 401k now right. until you're 72 years old. So that, that's a good thing. Well, and in some ways that kind of actually, to me, I see that as a benefit for the tax generating purposes of the stretch being eliminated because now those accounts maybe grow higher. Well, bingo. That's what the government is counting on. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to differ in, in my opinion of it for them, but this is, Here's the bad news. They raised it to 72 for a couple of reasons. The main reason is people are living longer. So right, life sure. expectancies yeah. Yeah. hadn't changed since they originated this law a long time ago, uh, the required minimum distribution piece. So right. here's, here's the big bad news, and that is the stretch IRA, which was when you leave dollars to a non-spouse beneficiary, your kids, your grandkids, in the past, you had been able to take those dollars out over the life expectancy, the lifetime of that beneficiary. Mm -hmm. So if you'd left your money to your 20-year-old grandson, 
when you passed away out of your IRA or your 401k, that 20 year old would have the rest of their life to have to take the dollars out. That could have been, you know, 60 or 70 years that you could have stretched those dollars out. That's why it was termed the stretch IRA. This act took it away and, and just completely eliminated non-spousal stretches. You can't do it anymore. You can still leave money to your spouse uh, as a beneficiary, and that spouse has the option of taking it out over their lifetime. So that part didn't change. Right. But the big, big, big deal is the kids or grandkids don't get to stretch it over their lifetime. They have to take the money out within 10 years of the passing of the account owner. Right. And, and they, and, go ahead. I was going to say, and Charles, and this is usually has been used as a, a nice tool for creating generational wealth. I'll just go with a, you know, an easy number for us to kind of work off of, but let's say you had a million dollars that you were going to leave to your children. Well, now they, yeah, they have to get it all out within a 10 year window. And that could be a hefty tax bill. It can be a hefty tax bill. The The only sort of good part about that is they're not required to take it out anytime in particular, other than the right. fact that it all, it, all of it has to be gone by the end of the 10th year. Right. So you can you break know, it up it, however you want, but it's got to be zero. Can, yeah. At 10. Yeah. So you could do some reasonable planning tax wise about when you want to take it, if it's a low income year or whatever it happens to be. The other thing that, that changes is how you name, let me, let me just go with multiple grandkids or great grandkids sure. or whatever you want kids, multiple beneficiaries that are non-spouses. In this context, then the more you have, the better it is because it's going to be, it doesn't make any difference to you, you're dead. But for, but for them, if you've taken a, you know, a million dollar IRA or a million dollar 401k and you've divided it between two kids, it's a big tax hit. If you've divided it between 10, then it's, the aggregate tax will be probably, well, it'll certainly be less to everybody because they've got a smaller share. They just got smaller dollars. So in some instances, that makes sense. And I'm going to get to a couple of, of, of ideas on how to get around this or mitigate the damage, if you will, uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes here. But the thing that we have gone back to all of our clients about, and if you're listening and you're not a client, then ask your advisor, because if they haven't told you about this yet, they need to. And that is who you name as beneficiaries. In the past, you, you know, most people just name a spouse or kids. That's fine. It, that, that, that makes perfect sense. Or even grandkids, if you, know, you set up the beneficiaries correctly and don't disinherit your grandkids by doing it wrong. Um, that's happened. We've seen that before. But a lot of people have named trusts as beneficiaries of their IRA, typically a contingent beneficiary. They'll leave the money to the spouse as a primary. They'll leave the money. Then then it goes to if she when she he or she passes away, then it goes to the trust that's been set up for estate planning purposes. Those are basically null and void now. Uh, you better get back with your estate planning attorney if you've got a trust as a beneficiary. If you've got a trust as a primary beneficiary, that was, in my opinion, always not a good idea. But if you've got it even as a contingent beneficiary, then you need to get back with your advisor and your uh, estate planning attorney and see what how they're doing a workaround on this because they're basically, for the most part, and, and I'm not an attorney, so I'm not giving legal advice here, but this is everything that I've seen and read and heard from folks they're not going to work. They're certainly not going to work the way you intended. And I'm assuming that the good estate planning attorneys are seeing all kinds of continuing education coming their way so that they can figure out a workaround on this because what you thought you were going to be able to do, you can't do it anymore. Gotcha. And that's one of the biggest, biggest bad things for people that have 
significant assets in their retirement accounts and they were using these trusts to doing some controlling if you will i don't want all i don't want my kids to get all of this all at once i want them i want it to be spread out over time and so they were using trusts for that purpose well that's not going to work basically i'm not saying that none of it would ever work but just go check with the authorities and make sure that they have figured out a way to get you more or less what you would still like to accomplish but you're going to have to change what you've got so that's that's a huge deal. Well, I think that. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, Charles, for for the elimination of this, there's you know a lot of people who maybe were planning on doing that, or maybe that was something like you said, if you're working with an advisor, maybe that was something that was kind of on the radar. Now you're going to have to, you know, obviously look for alternative ways uh, to go about doing. You know, some a lot of people again yet yet again for another, now another reason the Roth conversions have come back up. We're getting a lot of yeah. emails about, well, maybe we yeah. should start getting them out of those accounts and so on and so forth. Yeah, and we completely agree. You need to make sure that you understand the tax ramifications of doing that. You want to maximize your tax brackets. But the stuff that I've heard, and Roths are like number two on the list of how do you how do you do a workaround on this? How do you get done what you'd like to get done? Okay. Um, so what we're finding uh, from uh, those that are, I value their opinions, is that the use of life insurance, the proper use of life insurance is going to be the biggest and the best way to work around this whole issue of not being able to stretch it out. Um, you're still going to have a taxable event when those dollars leave the IRA or the 401k because it's a taxable distribution. And so you're going to have to pay tax now to get it done. But then you, uh, you know, again, not unlike a Roth conversion, you're never going to have to pay the tax again. But when you go to a, into a life insurance policy, you've got a couple of things that, that suddenly can work in your favor. You may be able to, you're certainly going to be able to pass on the no tax consequences once you pass away that beneficiary of the life insurance policies, those dollars are tax-free. That's a big deal. Um, the other thing that you can do with life insurance, if you need to, is you can use it for all kinds of other potential purposes. You can you can create lifetime tax-free income out of it if that's what you want to do, which would be, you know, you're paying the tax now to create lifetime tax-free income. The other thing that you can, one of the benefits of some of the life insurance policies and the ones we have a tendency to like, you could create long-term care benefits. You may not have anything in place specifically to cover long-term care costs in, as you age, but uh, you can also use life insurance in certain circumstances to do that. So there's a lot of flexibility built into how the new version of life insurance policies are being, being created by the insurance companies. And they give you lots and lots of benefits that uh, you didn't have before. And this is one of those ways where you can control the dollars going from your retirement accounts to your heirs above and beyond just your spouse. And the, I mean, the life insurance industry is thrilled about it too, trust me. But, <laughs> right. but, but I think for good reason, because if this is what the government's going to take away, then there are still things out there. You just have to be aware enough to know what some of those options are. And I honestly believe that the government who they'll never admit it, but their ulterior motive is how could we get all of this taxable money out faster, get paid more taxes quicker. Right, right. And I think the people with major, uh, major assets, and that's a definition that I, you know, I don't know how much major is to any of you listeners. It's going to be different for everybody. But I think that if you're smart enough and want to protect your wealth significantly enough, you're going to take some steps that are going to really trick the, the government because you're going to pay taxes probably in the next few years when tax rates are low and never pay them again. So they're not going to get as much as they think they're going to get. I don't think. But then when has the government ever 
done anything that's really creative that they've not, you know, there's always an attorney out there smarter than the ones that wrote the law. Right. So if I've got a multi-million dollar IRA or 401k plan, I can tell you for sure, I'm going to hire a really smart attorney that's probably smarter than the attorney that wrote the law. And it's kind of not the people that we elect that write the laws. And they're going to find loopholes. And that's where this is going to go. I think the government right. is going to be sadly mistaken that they're, that they're raising gobs and gobs of revenue because they're not going to. I don't think they will. Well, like anything, you know, if you hire an attorney and a, and a CPA and so on to help, you know, like maybe two people to help you get all this kind of worked out, a financial advisor, so on and so forth, that's a whole lot different than probably the hundred people that worked on a bill and the, the legal team. You, can, you can't get that many people to agree on anything. So by the time yeah. they start going through there, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the key takeaway here, Charles, though, is that the Secure Act if you are aware, uh, if you've been paying a little bit of attention, or if you're not, uh, still can there can be some changes that could affect your retirement plan. It's kind of the most significant legislation since what, the Pension Act of 06. So it is definitely worth your time to ask your advisor, how will the SECURE Act affect me or the plan that we're working on? And if you're not working with an advisor, reaching out to one and having a conversation, I would think would be a good idea at this time for sure, right? Well, why would I say no to that? Of course. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know more about, I tell people, tell people all the time, I know about most of this stuff enough to be dangerous, but I know a fair amount about this. Yeah, so, yeah. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll aim you in the right direction, if nothing else. Exactly. And and to your point, when you mentioned earlier, there are some other, there's several pieces to the Secure Act changes that, and again, some good, some bad. So you want to make sure that you're working with an advisor. Give Charles a call before you take any action, or if you'd like to learn more uh, and you want to sit down and have a chat about how it may affect your situation. Uh, 480-513-1830 is how you make that happen. It's 480-513-1830 to talk with fiduciary advisor Charles Scott at Peloton Capital Management. You can also go to the website, pelotoncapital.com. That is P-E-L-L-E-T-O-N capital.com at pelotoncapital.com. I think uh, in the interest of time, I think that's pretty good this week. I'm going to ask you an email question that we've had coming to the site. We'll get up out of here in just a second. So let's see what we got. This is kind of along those lines for you, Charles. Uh, Emily in Phoenix says it appears that the uh, contributions have gone up for the 401ks this year more than last year. Is it safe to assume that you know I should go ahead and put the extra money that we're allowed to contribute in? Oh, Emily, I think it's a great question. And uh, without knowing anything else about you, if you can afford to, then I would say certainly you should. It went up 500 bucks this year from last year. The Both the contribution and the catch-up provision went up $500. So you can now put, if you're under 50, you can put in 19500 If you're over 50, you can put in, or 50 or over, you can put in $26,000. So that's a uh, if, again, if you could afford to do it, it's you can just start putting more money in. That's not a bad thing. Right. I would ask the question, is this in a traditional 401k or does your 401k plan have a Roth component? Because again, we're still looking at the whole, if you put it in a traditional 401k, when it comes out, you're going to get taxed on it. You get to deduct it this year, but you're going to pay tax on it in the future. If, it's, if you've got a Roth option, then you're going to pay tax on it this year, but not in the future. So you need to talk and find out, what do I think my tax bracket's going to be you know, whenever I get around to retiring or drawing these dollars out. Yeah. So, you know, again, I don't like tax tail to wag the the investment in the financial dog, <laughs> but you've got, you've got to factor this stuff into it. Absolutely. You just do. Yeah, no, for uh, sure. And I think that's a good question, and it is good to let people know that obviously they did make a you know another bump up. And if a lot of people sometimes feel as though that they are behind the eight ball, I mean you know twenty six thousand. If you're just turning fifty this year over the next let's say fifteen years to get to sixty five, that's a you know decent chunk of change. 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for the question, Emily. We appreciate it. Again, reach out to Charles to have a conversation specifically so you can, uh, you know, get some more details. We do a lot of generalizations on here because it's, you know, a wide listening audience. So to talk about your specific situation, let him know you've got some questions at 480-513-1830. And don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, all those different podcasting platforms. You can simply type in Financial Choices Matter in the search box, or you can go to Charles's website. PelotonCapital.com. Charles, my friend, anything else this week? We good? You want a you want a trivia question? Sure, hit me up. Okay, what's the tallest mountain on Earth? Uh oh, what's the one Everest? Yeah, uh, depends on how you measure it. That's the answer everybody gives because that's the answer we were always taught. Okay, here's here's the real answer. Mm-hmm. It, Everest height is measured from sea level. Okay. Okay. If you look at the globe, if you you know went out in space and looked at it, it's pudgy around the middle. Okay. <laughs> Right. The, the equator bulges. Uh-huh. If you measure from the center of the earth to the top of the mountain, Everest is not, it's not even in the top 10. Mount, really? It's in Ecuador, this one, Chimborazo, C-H-I-M-B-O-R-A-Z-O, Mount Chimborazo in Ecuador. From the center of the earth is the tallest mountain. It's the closest to space. Hmm, Interesting. So I don't know how much if you wanted to bet money on this one, Mark, you wanted to lose, but that's that's the actual, and I had never heard that ever. Hmm. And when I yeah. heard it, I immediately went to the internet and it's like, oh, dang, that's right. <laughs> immediately <laughs> went to Google and figured out. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'll, yeah have to, so. I'll have to catch my wife and see if I can better who makes dinner tonight on that one. We'll see if I, uh, if I can get, uh, if I can, okay. she'll, yeah. knowing her, she'll probably know the answer and I'll still have to make dinner. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, I can't do anything about that. But, I know. Uh, I know. Well, cool. Well, thank you so own. much. Well, I, you know, all right. I had the, I had a good answer though. So I had the, I think I guess I had the, the most uh, common answer. I think most people would oh. say ever. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, cool. Well, there. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate it as always for being here on the show with me. You have a great week and I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next time, folks, here on Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Financial planning and investment advisory services are provided by Peloton Capital Management Limited, a state-registered investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No one should assume the information presented here serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized individual advice provided by Peloton Capital Management. For more information, visit www.pelotoncapital.com.